Hey, you're listening to Guat.Rocks, God, the World, and Other Things. I'm Kenny Price, your host. Our mission, Advancing Equilibrium in the Midst of an Agitated World. This is Season 13, Episode 269, Title: Thursdays in December, Guardians of the Universe, Phase 4. Subtitle, Obedient People Who Secured the Birth of Christ, the Shepherds. I'm excited about this episode. It's going to be something that you're going to find perhaps new in your knowledge, but it's powerful. Let's start in Luke chapter 2, verse 1. In those days, a decree went out from Caesar Augustus that the whole empire should be registered. This first registration took place while Quirinius was governing Syria, so everyone went to be registered, each to his own town. Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to Judea, to the city of David, which is called Bethlehem, because he was of the house and family line of David, to be registered along with Mary, who was engaged to him and was pregnant. While they were there, the time came for her to give birth. Then she gave birth to her firstborn son, and she wrapped him tightly in cloth and laid him in a manger. There was no guest room available for them. In the same region, shepherds were staying out in the fields and keeping watch at night over their flock. Then an angel of the Lord stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terrified. But the angel said to them, Don't be afraid, for look, I proclaim to you good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Today in the city of David a Savior was born for you, who is the Messiah, the Lord. This will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. Suddenly there was a multitude of the heavenly host with the angel praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest heaven and peace on earth to people he favors. When the angel had left them and returned to heaven, the shepherds said to one another, Let's go straight to Bethlehem and see what has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. They hurried off and found both Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. After seeing them, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them. But Mary was treasuring up all these things in her heart and meditating on them. The shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. This record of the birth of Jesus was written by a physician named Luke. His background as a doctor equipped him well to give an accurate historical account with an eye for detail of the key events surrounding the birth. Like a photograph on an Apple iPhone, he gives the date, time, and people included in the picture. Caesar Augustus is the emperor of the Roman Empire, and Quirinius, well, that's hard to say, Quirinius is governor. The location is Bethlehem, a town in Syria. The word Syria is a transliteration of the name in the Greek language, the language of the New Testament. At the birth of Jesus, Syria encompassed part of Western Asia bounded on the north by the Taurus Mountains, on the east by the lands of the Euphrates, on the south by Palestine, and on the west by the Mediterranean Sea. The town's population had swelled way beyond its normal size because of the descendants of King David have been mandated to appear before the Roman authorities in their clan's town. The location of the birth in Bethlehem is a manger, a feed trough for animals. The couple has been deferred to the housing for animals because the town's inn is far inferior in size to handle the population's swell. The occasion for the photograph? The birth of a baby. People featured in the photograph? The baby, mother, father, and some shepherds. 
Had the shepherds not been present and responsive that night to the miraculous visitation of a throng of the heavenly army of angels, and that's what the Bible calls them is an army of angels, the angelic host, and it means an army of angels, there would not have been any third-party eyewitness to the account. For any historical account to be considered accurate, there has to be some external eyewitnesses who are unattached to the event being reported. I remember the story of the Balloon Boy hoax. A man named Richard Heen, who was struggling to come up with some means of significant financial support for his family of five in the middle of the Great Recession, in the fall of 2009, hatched an idea to build a helium-filled, foiled-backed insulation balloon of sorts that he thought, with a successful launch, would be enticing to dozens of inventors building their own dirigibles and racing them across a desert, maybe in Arizona or Utah. If he could get enough balloons for the competition, Richard thought he could find sponsors and maybe some airtime for the event. The balloon ended up looking like a really large Jiffy Pop popcorn pan when it's finished popping. In case you don't know what a Jiffy Pop popcorn pan is, I will put a link to an image of the Jiffy Pop popcorn pan in the show notes. Whether accidentally or on purpose, the balloon launched on October 12, 2009, which resulted in him calling the authorities and first the FAA, the Federal Aviation uh, Administration, and they said, well, you need to call the local 911 number. And so he reported it to a multiple amount of uh, authorities and reporting the airborne silver balloon with his son Falcon aboard, uh, then six-year-old first grader. When the balloon finally came down 50 miles away, Falcon wasn't on board. A deputy reported seeing an object fall out of the balloon a few miles earlier. Richard says, it was the worst moment of my life. For the next hour, the Heens say they wondered if their son was dead. With deputies still searching, Richard and Mayumi, the mother, cried in the living room. As one investigator was making a call from the kitchen, he heard a shriek. Falcon had shown up. He told his parents he'd been hiding inside a box in the garage's attic. He told police that he thought he'd get in trouble because he'd been climbing around the basket and had been scolded by his father before the launch. Safe in his hiding place, he'd played with some toy cars and then had fallen asleep. That evening, during an appearance on CNN, Wolf Blitzer asked Falcon via Richard, his dad, why he'd hidden for so long. I don't know if Falcon can hear me, Blitzer began. Did he hear anything? Did he hear you screaming out, Falcon, Falcon? Richard posed the question to his son. He's asking Falcon, did you hear us calling your name at any time? Mm-hmm, Falcon answered. You did, Richard said, sounding a little surprised. Well, then why didn't you come out? Mm, Falcon paused. You guys said that mm, we did this for the show. Man, Richard said. No, Mayumi said. My friend, I can still remember that day when... That kid said, mm-hmm. You could see the father look like he'd swallowed a box of rocks. But mark it down, my friend. The birth of Jesus was well-documented, historically invented in particular by Dr. Luke. This is not a balloon boy hoax. In the book of Acts, the second book of the historical account of the life of Jesus and the beginning of the church, Luke, in the opening portion of the record, addresses the account to a man named Theophilus, which means lover of God. We don't know anything more about the recipient of the record, but Luke points out in Acts chapter 1, verse 1, I wrote the first narrative, and he's talking about the book of Luke, Theophilus, about all that Jesus began to do and teach until the day he was taken up, 
after he had given instructions through the Holy Spirit to the apostles he had chosen. After he had suffered, he also presented himself alive to them by many convincing proofs, appearing to them over a period of 40 days and speaking about the kingdom of God. Here, Luke's account is the information as spread by the shepherds regarding that universe-transforming night, the appearance of the angels, the divine proclamation, seeing Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. It says in verse 17 and following, they reported the message they were told about this child, and all who heard it were amazed at what the shepherds said to them, and they returned glorifying and praising God for all the things they had seen and heard, which were just as they had been told. They gave a third-party witness that the announcement by the angelic host was accurate. So what are the key elements of their eyewitness account? Number one, an angel of the Lord appeared to them in the sheep pasture where they were grazing their sheep by night. Number two, the good news of great joy that will be for all the people. Number three, that today in the city of David, a Savior was born for you who is the Messiah, the Lord. Number four, this will be the sign for you. You will find a baby wrapped tightly in cloth and lying in a manger. And number five, this event is for the glory of God and the peace on earth to people he favors. What a tremendous story. Thank God for the eyewitness account and recording of what they heard and what they saw. God empowered them to perfectly recall all that he wants us to know about that night. The pronouncement was to the people on the lower end of the societal structure and income level first. As noted in the International Standard Bible Encyclopedia, yes, Jesus was born in a low condition, but the Father did not leave him totally without witness to his sonship. The herald angel appeared, then there was the arc of brilliant light that filled the night sky by the Shekinah glory of God. The Shekinah glory means the manifestation of the presence of God Almighty through the manifestation of brilliant white light radiating around the angels manifesting Jesus' deity. The scenes in the narratives of the infancy exhibited a strange commingling of the glorious and the lowly. And my friend, aren't you glad it did? And with that, my friend, I bid you peace. Peace.